Welcome to the Goodness Podcast, the Middle East's first platform dedicated to tackling women's health in a real and honest way. I'm your host, Noor Tahini. My guest on the podcast today is Dina Randur, a yoga teacher and doula living in Dubai. She's joining me on the show to explain the work she does as a doula and share some of what she has learned while helping women have a positive birthing experience. Hi, Dina. Hi, Noor. How's it going? I'm really good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks. I'm really happy to be here. When I first met you, I met you as a yoga teacher. And how long have you been practicing yoga or teaching yoga, actually? Um, I've been teaching yoga for about five or six years now. Yeah. Okay. Practicing since I was 15, so wow. much longer. <laughs> wow. And you teach Jivamukti specifically, right? Yes, that's yeah. the method that I love and I teach, yeah. I've been to one of your classes. What did you think? I loved it. Okay, good. Yeah, it was at um, that studio in Marina. Yes, that, the one overlooking the Marina. Yeah, such a beautiful view. Yeah. Yeah, and that was actually my, my first ever Jivamukti class was with you. Amazing. And in, so in recent years, you've also trained to become a doula. That's and you correct. started a company called Little Doula Feather Collective. Yes, which has now changed to the More Than Birth Collective. The and More Than Birth Collective. Okay. We've added on some new people and it's shifting a little bit, but it's the core and the foundation of it is still there, which is to support women through pregnancy, birth, the postpartum period, and everything that comes with that. Can you explain to me and our audience what a doula is exactly and what a doula does? Yes. So the actual translation of the word doula, which is a Greek word, it actually means woman servant. And that's basically what we do, but in a really like beautiful sprinkle it with like lavender fairy dust kind of way <laughs> and not in a very like sad and servanty, servanty kind of way. But um, essentially it used to be a position that was held quite traditionally when women would give birth in sort of like communities and villages. And I think in recent years, as women um, start to live uh, more isolated, they live alone, they live in big cities, maybe away from their families mm -hmm. or away from their friends or their relatives, they're starting to need and require that extra support. Um, so it's kind of having a comeback now. Um, and it's quite big in the U.S. and even in Europe. And it's amazing, actually, how far it's come here in the UAE. But essentially what we do is that we are signed on to support a woman and her partner uh, from the pregnancy stage through education. So we sit and talk about birth. We do birth education. Here's what to expect when you get to the hospital. Here's what to expect once your baby arrives. Here's what you expect in the first few weeks and months after. So there's a big education aspect to it. Um, there's a big empowering and here are what your options are and guess what you can choose and guess what it's your body and guess what nobody else gets to decide kind mm. of thing. So that's a really big element. Um, and then it's having the continuity of support because it might be that you're seeing a different doctor or it might be that the midwives that you have on the day of your birth, you'll maybe didn't see them before. Um, and then, you know, somebody coming to check up on you afterward and make sure that you're healing. Okay. Feeding. Okay. Mm. Your emotional, physical well-being is all good. And that obviously you and your baby are fine. And most of the time it's, you know, like, is everything okay? Is my baby okay? Am I okay? And it's, it's just having someone there to be like, yes, yes, everything's fine. To look you in the eye and be like, you're fine. You're doing a good job. Because I think that's always the toughest thing, especially for new moms that have never done it before. Well, so what called you to do this? It was quite organic, actually. So once I started teaching yoga my kind of group of students or in that age range, they just kind of started getting pregnant. And so then I would have 
pregnant clients who wanted to continue doing yoga with me. Um, and so I went and did my prenatal yoga teacher training. So that was the first kind of like eye opening experience for me into sort of pregnancy and how women's bodies change and what's all happening from the hormones and the physical level and the physiological level. And then, um, they would always kind of like ask me random questions. They would be like, Oh, what do you think about this? And, you know, I was reading this, what's your opinion on that? And I just, I had no idea. And I was kind of thinking, you know, how is it that they're asking their yoga teacher these questions? Like who's the person in their community that they can be going to ask Mm. these questions? And, you know, it's not your mother all the time. Sometimes it is, but you know, my mother was born, I was giving birth in like the high medical, like C-section era where that's what, that's just what they did. It was like what you were recommended to do. So me and my siblings were all C-section babies and her husband maybe wasn't the right person to speak to because he didn't, you know, know that much about pregnancy and birth. Um, and then maybe the people in your circle haven't all had babies yet either. So I just felt like there was obviously like a need. These women were asking me all these questions and I was like, who can they speak to? Like who's somebody that can just be a sounding board for them, you know, where they won't be judged. Um, they can ask like whatever they think is like a silly or a crazy question, but it probably wouldn't be, you know? Um, and it just kind of went from there. So I just felt like organically called to it Mm. over the years. And then I did my training and it's been incredible. So have you worked with (laughs) a lot of women? Yes. I've been supporting women for about two years now. I try not to take more than one birth a month just so that, um, because you're on call, of 10 to two weeks before the estimated birth date and after. So you don't take any major commitments, major travel, that kind of thing. And also it's important because you might be supporting a couple, you know, overnight or over a couple of days that you have enough time to prepare and recover on both sides. So to be ready for the next one. Yeah, absolutely. Just to give it like time and space to settle and to digest it. It's one of the most powerful, vulnerable intense experiences I haven't had children so maybe if I did I would go into it with like oh yeah this is normal like it's fine (laughs) but every time I you know I I have the opportunity to assist a birth I'm just like holy cow this is amazing and then you just need a minute to like sit down after and be like what just happened how early in the woman's pregnancy does a doula normally come on board um, it's really up to the couple and the and the mother, but everybody's different. So I would say some people, you know, pee on a stick and they're like, yay, let's go. I'm so excited. Let's call a doula. And then some people in their, you know, third trimester are like, okay, I'm freaking out. I didn't think I needed help before, but I need yeah. help now. What can we do? You know, we always say it's nice somewhere in the second trimester to do it because okay. you're starting to like feel pregnant and you're in your body and you're starting to get curious and you're starting to do some reading and then you're going to start to have some of the questions and that you might want to ask. So that's a kind of a nice time to do it sort of like in okay. the middle or to, yeah, okay. in the middle of the second trimester. And the focus of the doula is very much to guide her through the birth, the delivery, or is it also through the pregnancy? So do you also give guidance on the pregnancy? So it's really, yeah, we're, we're totally a person of overall support. Okay. There's so no, yeah, yeah. And every doula is different. Like some women are really strong with, um, the biology and the physiology and the body th- throughout pregnancy. And here's how your organs shift and here's what's happening with your baby. And then some women are like super well-versed in the postpartum period. So some people are super mm. well-versed in like 
you know, mental health. And so it's really whatever you want to bring to the table. And then obviously like we're there to give as much information and knowledge as we can. And we just always put sort of the ball back in the court of the parents and say like, here's the information. And now it's up to you guys to decide what's right for you. Mm. And if I'm not the right person to help you answer the question, then, Oh, guess what? Like I know somebody Mm. that's a physiotherapist and Oh, I know somebody that's a lactation specialist and Oh, here's somebody that can do whatever. So you're just a first point of call for questions. Yeah, absolutely. What did you find that in your experience, women are most anxious and scared about? There's generally a lot of fear around birth. And I think from my limited and humble experience, that's because we've generally all become quite disconnected from our physical bodies. So I think was just why yoga is also becoming really popular. Now meditation is becoming really popular because I think we're realizing that we've become really disconnected and we kind of tend to see our physical bodies separate from ourselves sometimes. And there's this, you know, whole movement towards embodiment. And so I think people and women specifically obviously have a fear around this idea of like, Oh, what's going to happen? Something's going to be growing inside of me. Um, and then to be honest, you know, we only have limited perspectives. We have like Hollywood where, you know, women are like screaming and like swearing, screaming bloody murder. Yeah. And like, you know, there are water like breaks and it's this huge explosion in a taxi and, (laughs) you know, and, you know, and then we have a lot of, you know, potentially negative stories that are going around. And I think there's a shift to try and allow people to potentially see, allow women to potentially see a, that it's a natural physiological activity slash experience like this is actually something that your body was designed to do by god the universe energy mother Mm -hmm. whatever it is that you believe um and so guess what like you are capable of doing this so there's like a fear about like oh i can't do this there's a fear around pain as well you know we're like oh i have a headache i'm gonna pop a pill and like oh i have like period cramps i'm gonna pop a pill so obviously like pain isn't something that we're comfortable with either. So there's a huge fear around feeling pain, you know, okay, I don't want to go through this because I don't want to feel the pain. And then there's obviously like the fear around having a new vulnerable newborn Mm -hmm. in your life and how am I going to take care of it? And can I do this? And are we going to be good parents? So there's so many, yeah, so many different questions that come up and it's just about guiding them and reassuring them and and letting them know that it's, yeah, it's all going to be fine. And most importantly, that it's your choice and your decision. I think a lot of people think that doulas are here to sort of promote this natural, you know, medication-free birth. And if that's your choice, that's great. And we're going to tell you the best way to give you the best chance to do that. Um, But it it doesn't have to be like that. Like, if you want the epidural, like, go for it. If you know you want an elected cesarean, go for it. But it's about having somebody to be like great, here's what it's going to look like. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to get to the hospital. They're going to prep you for theater or, you know, they're going to, they're going to put, you know, something in your spine. Like it's just about education and awareness so that when you walk into the experience, your birth, you know, we're actually like as doulas, we always try to tell women like to stay away from the word delivery because we're trying to remind you that it's not that like somebody's coming and like delivering a pizza. It's like you're birthing your baby, you know, and you have to remember that you're doing this. And I think we're allowing other people to do it. Like, Oh God, thank you so much. Like you've delivered my baby and like, you've done this for me, but actually like, why don't you do this? And you be like the leader in this experience, whatever that means. If that means that you're sitting there and choosing what's best for yourself, then that's what you've done. And then you can walk away 
with a positive, positive experience because it's something that you've taken control over. So you would never push for one birth plan over another? No, definitely not. Okay. So we never give advice. And nothing that we do is medical. So that's something that's really important because a lot of people say, oh, what's the difference between you and like a midwife? So we never do any medical procedures and we don't ever give any medical advice. We just present as much information as possible. Present the facts, basically. And then, exactly. And there's like really strong evidence now, which maybe there wasn't before. There's an amazing website called Evidence-Based Birth, and there's actually a podcast, Evidence-Based Birth. And it's a very like, it's not an enjoyable listen because it's very like cut and dry. Like these were the studies around water birth. These were the studies around using, you know, nitrous oxide as a like, as pain relief. These are the studies around um, when to bathe your Mm. baby, circumcision. Like there's just, she Mm. covers every single topic. And then it's just, yeah, taking that information and doing what's right for you, knowing the benefits and knowing the risks, both sides. What is, what is the riskiest way of, the, of, of giving birth according to studies and which is the least? I think it just, the thing is it depends because I think it depends on where you're giving birth and the setting that you choose to give birth in. So like as a doula, like our fundamental philosophy deep inside is that we believe that birth is a physiological experience. Physiology meaning that your hormones and your body and the baby all work together to give birth to this being into the world which means that if you leave a woman to do that and and have her go through that experience that actually it's safe 100 percent um it's doable it's accessible and it can be a very empowering experience because there's all these hormones that come up during Mm. labor and birth that might not be there if it was intervened in a medical way And so it can just, your path can change. So I don't know. It just depends if you're in a hospital, some might think that's risky because you could potentially be put down a medical route that Mm. could have lead to more interventions. But then if you're doing it at home without the right care, without a midwife, and if something goes wrong, so it really just depends. But we always say that, you know, if there's somebody there that's trained and that's there to support you, whether it's a midwife, usually a midwife and a doula or just a midwife or a doctor, Um, And you're allowed to just allow your body to actually engage in all and like release all the different hormones, you know, which include, you know, adrenaline, but also like endorphins and oxytocin and all these amazing things that like a cocktail that like work together. So it really just depends. I read once that a natural drug-free birth can actually feel... Like a very pleasurable experience. There's like a climax. I think it was compared to like a, like an orgasm mm-hmm. almost in the intensity of the release of the hormones, and that your body was designed like that so that you could go through it without too much pain or without it being an unpleasurable experience. Have you read anything about that? Yeah, definitely. Um, there, there is uh, a lot of yeah women that have like written books about orgasmic birth, and the idea is that. Um, it can be as euphoric, as you said, it could be as euphoric of an experience, especially because of all the hormones and just experiencing women going through birth. There is, you know, a little bit of this like kind of trance that they enter in towards like the end, like the last stage before they give birth. And it's really powerful because you can see that they're kind of like in their bodies and in this zone. And there's like something 
happening that's in no one else's control but theirs. Um, So you can kind of tell, like, yeah, like, this can be a really powerful experience for women. And, yeah, you know, I think there's there's a book that actually claimed a percentage of women that actually have orgasms during birth. And the idea is that, so oxytocin, which is the major hormone that you have when you're in labor, which is the hormone that tells the muscles of the womb and the abdomen to contract to start pushing the baby down. That's also the love hormone. So it's Mm. the hormone that you have when you're making love. So they say it's not uncommon that the hormone you have when you're making love and like with your partner and you have an orgasm is, you know, you have that hormone when you're giving birth. The canal is the same, you know, so so it is possible. possible. Yeah. Yeah. Have have um, some of the women that you've worked with reported anything like that? Um, no, Uh, I haven't had the pleasure of experiencing that, but I definitely have been, you know, been part of experiences, you know, that are positive. And I think that's what we're trying to say is that it can be a positive, it's, it can be hard. It can be challenging. It can be a marathon. It could be the most intense thing that you've ever done, but you can kind of step out of it and look back and be like, wow, like I just did that. Um, whereas I think that can be stripped away from a lot of women because they're like, well, no, you're going to have to do this and you have to do this and you have to do this and you have to do that. And we're telling women, you know, ask, you know, ask why, like, what are the benefits? What are the risks? What if I just do nothing? What if I said yes? What if I said no? You know, because you just never know how your birth is going to go. You mm. know, I think from some of the women who are my friends or colleagues or family members who've had children, what I've understood is that a lot of the time you may have the best birth plan in place, but it doesn't go to plan and something happens and you have to enter an emergency C-section or whatever it is. And some of them have said to me, you have to be okay with your plan not going to plan. And a lot of women stress themselves out about that happening, but you just have to relax and, and, and be okay with having to do something other than what you expected. Absolutely, that's 100%. And that's part of leaving the experience with a positive mindset is being relaxed about your plan because you really have no idea how it's going to go. You can kind of keep an open mindset and keep a positive mindset, but at the end of the day, you know, it's going to take its own course. And as a doula, we try and educate women about the different paths that it could go down. It's like, here's the path that we're going to try and go down together as a group. The Mm. three of us are going to work together to make sure that you're going to have this experience, but something else could happen. And let's talk about what that looks like. Let's talk about what it looks like if you choose to have an epidural Mm. at some point, because you no longer want to manage the pain without you know, the assistance of something externally. So here we're going to go down this path. And okay, let's say this happens with the baby or this was what happens and you need to have cesarean. This is what it's going to look like. And if you kind of go into it, I mean, you know, we, we, we can do a lot of education and it's still always, you know, shocking and maybe intense and it's a different experience from what you expected. But I think having that information presented, at least you can go into it. Mm. And when you're there, you know, we're like, okay, here's the situation you know, are you comfortable moving down this route? And it's like, okay, let's have a discussion about that. Is everybody okay with that? Let's go, let's do that kind of thing. So it is entirely possible to have a very positive birthing experience. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think it's a combination of, yeah, not being too attached to one particular experience or plan. Um, and also being confident in yourself and your body Mm. to do this amazing thing. And then it's also about having the support around you. So a lot of the research around positive birth experiences is related to having 
the people around you being nurturing, being supportive throughout the process. Um, and sadly, like what's you know kind of happened with birth becoming more medicalized, and as people in the medical field um, become like much more stressed and they have a lot more you know admin and a lot more paperwork and maybe a lot more patients, is is that like women might not be getting the level of care or like bedside manner or attention or kind of the delicacy like TLC, around yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. And I totally get that because like they're really stressed and they're having, you know, their own stuff to deal with. And so if your husband or partner or your doula can be there to just like look you in the eyes and remind you that you're amazing every five minutes, it's a completely different experience. Are you in the delivery room usually? Yeah. So we can either, we say whenever you want us, you call us. Yeah. So we're, we either go to um, the client's house um, while they're in labor and let's say they're just, they just need someone to come in and be like, okay, this is what I'm feeling. This is what's happening. Um, and if we feel like it's quite, you know, progressed then we might stay with them and help them manage their labor at home, you know, be like, okay, well, why don't you have a bath or like, why don't you just have something quick to eat before you go? Or like, let's do some massage. Let's do some breathing. Why don't we turn the lights down? Like, let's just get the atmosphere like really, really nice. Um, and some women are feel quite confident and they just want you to come to the hospital when they go to the hospital. And yeah, absolutely. We're there that we're then there until the baby arrives and you're put into aftercare and you've had your first feed mm. and everything looks good. Yeah. Are doctors cool with the whole idea of a doula being in the delivery room? It must be quite new for them here. Uh, yeah, so it is quite new for them. But interestingly enough, when I did my doula training, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to be only of like one of like five people that are doing this in Dubai. Um, and I think there's like a group of like 50 of us or something. Wow. Yeah, so it's actually m much more common and they're becoming more uh, kind of acquainted with it as well not every single hospital but sort of the main ones you know like american and city and alzara saudi german yeah. they're all pretty open to having a doula come in and, and be supportive and actually the best cases are when we're working with the midwives and nice. we've built really nice relationships with the midwives at some of these hospitals and we all really support each other that's amazing yeah it's awesome are home births allowed here in the UAE? they're technically illegal okay yeah what is the name of the the small cut that some doctors do when you go into the episiotomy? Exactly, yeah. Okay. It's called an episiotomy. Okay. And it was developed in a time where birth became a bit more medicalized and they wanted things to go a little bit quicker. But actually, the World Health Organization and a lot of research says that it's no longer a required procedure. So mm. if they think for some reason the heart rate's not okay or something's going on and they feel like they do need to have the baby come out a little bit faster, then obviously yeah. that's... An available option but most women are opting or choosing to opt out of yeah. it now because in general if you don't say anything they will give you an episiotomy here right in this part of the in the it, UAE. it is quite common mm -hmm. yes but what's nice is that there's a handful of doctors that are up to date and do their research and have worked with doulas and have worked with clients that are trying to be like down the more natural path mm. and so a lot of doctors will actually ask now. And I, the big thing that we really talk about with women is consent, this mm. idea of consent. Like, they should be asking you every single thing. Like, can we put in, 
you know, this cannula into your vein for later? Can we do a vaginal exam? Like, can we give you an episiotomy? And the answer has to be yes or no every single time. You know, it's your body at the end of the day. And I think that wasn't the case before. You know, women kind of came in and potentially even now it's seen as kind of, you know, there's something wrong and you have to come in and we're going to come in and fix you and and help you. So we're just going to do what we need to do. You give over, you give yourself over entirely to the medical and, and because we just didn't understand it, we don't even know. And I, you know, even when I started doing a lot of reading and research, I was like, you know, I might not give birth. That might not be my path. But I was a bit shocked that I had no idea about my body and the potential and the possibilities and birth. And I was just like, what? We're just supposed to like automatically learn about this like a couple of months before we give birth. But I just think it's so important and so powerful for women just to learn about our bodies. I mean, even, even everything, our cycles, our hormones, mm. it's something that we're just, we're, we're not taught about at all. What are some of the craziest things that you've learned about the, the, the female body since becoming a doula? <laughs> <laughs> Shock me. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, a lot of people say, there's a lot of like myths, I want to say, that like when debunked is actually amazing, you know? So okay. there's a lot, a lot of people are like, oh, it's like, you know, pushing a watermelon out of your nostril or an orange out of your nostril. That's what like birth is like. And I'm always like, no, actually your nostril, you know, cannot stretch to 10 centimeters, you know, but your vagina can, and that's pretty amazing. And I've seen women do it like without tears. And it's just, I mean, that's really amazing to me, you know? Um, And I think it's incredible how all of your organs like shift up basically like up towards the bra line to make space for this whole new being. That's why a lot of women experience, you know, pain and acid reflux and have to eat like smaller meals. Um, The placenta is just the coolest thing ever. It's an organ that you don't have that you make from scratch that is connected to the baby that feeds this baby that gets nutrients intravenous from yourself and then it comes in, it plays its part, and then it's like, peace out, this was great, yeah. you know? And it's it's phenomenal. And even just to look at it, I'm always telling, I always tell women, do you want to see your placenta? This is what did it. It's amazing. <laughs> so yes and no, half yes, half no, but yeah. <laughs> Most people don't. <laughs> people are like, I'm good, thanks. And yeah, now women are, you know, moving towards um, encapsulating their placentas and reintroducing the nutrients from the placenta back into their body to support their postpartum period. Yes. So it's pretty, it's a pretty fascinating organ. What are some of these sort of ancient practices and rituals that we had around birth that have disappeared and that are now coming back? So you said reintroducing the placenta, for example. Mm-hmm. I read that women, and you can still see it in the wild, not, not with wild people, I mean, with like animals, but for example... <laughs> <laughs> my my dog just had puppies. Oh, yes. So I have three baby beagle puppies, and did she eat her placenta? She ate her placenta, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Because it is such a such a high nutrient boost for a nursing mother postpartum. And have you found through your research that this is something that women used to do in the past? And what other rituals have women are women maybe more open to revisiting today? Yeah. 
Um, definitely, you know, the, the research that we have with placenta reintroduced and like eating the placenta or taking it into your smoothie or taking it as a pill or, you know, now they're doing, they're putting a piece in a tincture of alcohol and you do drops under the tongue. Like there's so many ways to do it now. It's all anecdotal. So we don't have like hard statistical evidence, but there's no negative side effects. So it's like, if it helps, great. Um, so that's something that women are slowly becoming more open to. Um, the other thing is, um, having the cord connected for as long as possible. So naturally the cord falls off like on its own after a couple of days, the medicalized kind of way was to immediately cut cut the cord so that the baby could go off, be checked, be cleaned and everything. Now there, you know, the research has said to wait for a minimum of 90 seconds so that there's a third of the blood of the baby still left in the placenta. So you wait for the rest of the blood to come into the baby first, then you cut the cord. Okay. Then there's this thing called lotus birth, which is where women actually keep the placenta and the baby connected until they naturally falls off whenever it's ready. And so women actually will dress their placenta in like herbs and oils, wrap it and actually keep it next to the baby until it falls off naturally. Here? Everywhere. Lotus and birth. They do it the here doctors also. Doctors are fine with it? Um, you have to sign a form, I think, <laughs> in some places where they're like, we said you should do this, but you're doing it anyway. And you're yeah. Not, yeah. So I think you might have to like sign something because they're not used to it, but absolutely women are doing that. And now. it falls off by itself. Yeah. How long does it take normally? Um, like even when, cause they leave a little bit of the cord left on the belly button yeah. and that falls off in like three or four days. So it's, okay. it's not long. Okay. Yeah. But it's like the most like natural way. So a lot, some women are doing that. Um, there's a lot of beautiful South American techniques of using, um, traditional cloths to support labor, pain management, and even movement and rotation of the baby. So that's something that's being used a lot now as well. There's women trained in using the cloths to, uh, to kind of shake the hips a little. That can like help bring the baby into a better position. Using the cloth to squeeze the hips, which feels really nice during labor. I do the traditional Moroccan closing the bones, which after you give birth, you know, there's this idea that because of the hormones and the relax and everything's kind of like moved, especially your organs have moved and they're now slowly coming down. Your bones and your ligaments have become a little bit softer Um, And obviously from a spiritual kind of emotional perspective, there's this idea of like, you know, closing one chapter to open up a new one. And so it's a really beautiful ritual of binding a woman with several cloths from her head to her feet and like holding the binds for a long time to kind of bring everything back together. That's so nice. Yeah, it's awesome. I feel like there's so many beautiful rituals if you dig back into different civilizations that are around the creation of new life. Yeah that would be so beautiful to bring back because like you said it it's become a very medical process and you could argue for good reason obviously yeah, because we're it's happy still it's very there. dangerous it's yeah but the the first few seconds of this new life in the world is could be quite traumatic and the bri- the the lights of the hospital are so mm-hmm. bright and everything is so sanitized and and medical and to bring a little bit of that celebration back into the room would be so nice yeah absolutely and especially as women are you know living in big cities or isolated and there aren't people around her if you read um there's an amazing book called the first 40 days Mm -hmm. and it's like a mixture of like stories and recipes but it's a woman that's basically taken a collection of postpartum rituals and recipes and put it in the book and like when you read about how women 
are cared for after they give birth versus now in the modern way, which is like, great, you've given birth, go home, good luck. Um, in the UK and Europe, someone comes and checks on you at home. There's like a visit the next day in three days and in like a week. Canada also. Yeah, maybe yeah. even Canada because it's probably based yeah. on the UK system. Um, but here, and maybe I think even in the US, like you go home and that's it. Yes. Like you'll go for your a checkup and you'll go to a pediatrician, but nobody actually comes to your house in those first few moments where you're just like literally in shambles because you're like, oh my God, I just had the most intense experience. Um, I don't feel right because everything's just a little bit different. And now I have this thing that's relying on me every single moment um and your you know if your husband doesn't have paternity leave then you're literally alone, alone. and it's terror it can be terrifying yeah of course but there used to be people women would be around you you would move in with your mother somebody would be cooking for you they would be cleaning they would be massaging you they would be like brushing your hair so that all you had to do was rest eat and feed your and feed this new life yeah. and that was it you didn't have to worry about anything else and so hopefully we're trying to bring a little bit of that you know level of care back yeah. and the celebration like you said yeah. like let's celebrate the woman because everyone's like oh great you have a healthy baby that's all that matters was like wait actually hello <laughs> I made <laughs> somebody it. made it carried it birthed it and will have to take care of it for the yeah. rest of her life you yeah know? yeah do you believe that there's an innate wisdom within women when it comes to um, caring for a baby it's a tricky question yeah, I think that every woman will mother and parent in her own way. And I think that's the, that's the wisdom that they need to connect to because there's a lot of noise right now. There's like, oh, you must do this and you must do that and you must do that. It's like, okay, well, you can read the benefits of doing X, Y, Z, but really you're going to be the one to parent this child the way that you want to parent it. Do some, some things come more you know, intuitively than others, probably yes, without women even knowing, mm. you know, but I do think that, you know, if it, I think if it hasn't been passed down, you know, and if, if the knowledge hasn't been very open, then it's going to be really difficult. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, I thought it was, I thought this was going to be the most natural thing ever. Well, actually, no, it's, you know, it's quite challenging, but maybe you weren't taught or maybe you weren't educated that it was going to be a process, you know, um, there's a lot of work and collaboration that happens between the mother and the baby in those first few days, in the first few weeks and months, you know, something like breastfeeding. A lot of women are like, oh, I thought this was going to be like the most easy, like natural thing in the world. Mm. Well, actually it is if you decide to breastfeed, you know, for up to two years, which is what they say you can do. Yeah. By year two, you're going to be like easy breezy, but the first few weeks are going to be kind of tricky. So something that you've never done before your baby also is like brand new to this world and is trying to figure out how to sustain itself. Um, and you're trying to do it while healing mentally, physically, and emotionally, you know? So it just takes a little bit of like this, this dance and this communication and this collaboration, and it takes time. And I think for the women who choose to breastfeed, it's just about, you know, trying to get it through to that next stage. It should never be painful. It should never hurt. Um, if that's happening, it's usually a case of like the positioning or the latch or the um, something to do with like the nipple or a tongue tie or a lip tie. Um, but if you choose not to do it, then that's obviously a different story. And that's your decision to parent and take care of your baby the way that you want to do that. You know, that's totally a choice. There's so much noise 
like you said, around, and I, I haven't had children, but just based on speaking to friends and family members and, and reading some stories that women have written for us and for other websites, there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of making women feel bad for one decision or another. So if you breastfed, you know, there's like this glorification of breastfeeding. And then if you didn't breastfeed, then you're not doing the best thing for your child. And then the women who didn't breastfeed because they had a really, really tough time and their nipples were bleeding and they didn't get the right guidance for how to deal with that, then they feel bad and like they didn't do the right thing for their baby. And that, that's just one example. There's another, like, there's the whole debate around whether you should sleep train or not. And then there's the debate around elective C-sections or not. And totally. it's just, it, I just feel like women are just making each other feel bad for their choices all along the way. Um, do you find that, did you find that in your practice? Do you find like there's this fear around making decisions? There, people just want to give advice and give information all the time. Like your friends will always want to, you know, tell you how to do it. And your mom's going to want to tell you how to do it. And then the doctor's trying to tell you how to do it. So it's really, really tough. And I think this idea of guilt and shame is just massive. And it sadly, like, continues on later. It's like, oh, you let your kid go to that, you know, overnight mm. school thing. It's like, oh, well, you you know, feed your kids pizza. Like it just mm. never ends. And yeah. I think that's what's so sad is that like there's so much stress already as it is that we're, we shouldn't be guilting and shaming each other. But it is, I mean, it is the case, you know. And I think it's just because, you know, people feel very opinionated because they have a specific experience and they want to share it. And they are like, oh my God, like this is what I did and it was great. Like you should also do this, mm. but everybody's different. Everybody's coming from a different place. Everyone's bodies are different. Everyone's behaviors are different. So it's, it's really not a one size fits all. I just, you know, encourage people to say like, Hey, like read the information. If you know the information and then you choose from a place that's informed and mm. of knowledge, you go girl. Like that's what you're supposed to do, you know? But if you're just like, la, 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 I'm just going to do whatever I want. And I mean, that's probably fine too, but I'm a big like knowledge person. I think knowledge is empowering. And I think as women, we've had knowledge kind of put at bay and like maybe even like hidden from us a little bit, kind of our whole lives, you know, we've been made to feel small or less than or unequal. And I think, oh my God, we are so powerful the things that we can do the things that our bodies can do the fact that we create life the fact that somehow consciousness is transferred through us to this new child I'm just like wow like you know there should be like no shame at all like we should just always be celebrated but we just have this need to be yeah perfect and there's so there's just so much on social media now too which is I think making women feel yeah. bad because they're like oh, that was not my experience. Like, I didn't have this, like, birth bubble and me and my husband stayed in bed and just cuddled our baby for a month, like, uninterrupted. Not everybody can do that, you know? And I remember when I lived in the U.S., my coworker had to go back to work in, like, two weeks, and she was a mess every day at work because she was forced, not by her own choice, you know, to be away from her child. So we can never really place judgment or shame on people because we just have no idea why they've come to those decisions, you know? Everyone has their own journey, right? Absolutely. And it's just about taking ownership of that and being yeah. like, yeah, I had a C-section and I 
bottle fed my baby with cow's milk and it was fantastic mm. <laughs> did you see the with needle <laughs> yeah i mean that's what i was on it yeah was, i turned out fine i mean i say that but i'm also a little bit a little bit skeptical um but amy schumer has this amazing interview with oprah i recommend that everybody see it because she's just yeah she's just like yes i had a c-section and yes i bottle fed my baby and this is what i'm doing you know like yeah. she's just really like okay about it and you're like oh so refreshing yeah yeah we shouldn't be making each other feel bad for the decisions that were taken in the most complicated and difficult journey of our lives absolutely and I think that it just was so it was so very medically standardized for a long time that there needed to be this like vomit of natural stuff for like a while like we're just gonna like impose all yeah. of this stuff on you in an, in a, in under the umbrella of like education. Um, and now I think it's about just allowing it to settle into this yeah. middle ground where yeah. you feel okay to choose either side. But I think, yeah, in an, in an effort where women felt really passionate about like, guys, like we didn't know that our bodies could do this and yeah. we didn't know that we could have a free birth and women are going into the ocean and birthing with like nobody around and like, there's all these like pro completely natural things. Yeah. And I think it's just because the pendulum had to swing. To it the had other to extreme. swing. Mm-hmm. Um, and people needed to kind of find a way to cut through the noise to get this other perspective out. But it's like any form of, you know, activism, I would say like even the way that people talk about, you know, eating animals for food, like it had to swing in this like crazy opposite direction for people to be like, hello, mm. you know? And then it's about coming into the middle and being like, oh, well, I'm not going to be a crazy vegan. I'm just going to be a bit more mindful about what I put on my plate. Yeah. Hmm, that's cool. But how much judgment is there around food as well? Yes, you yes. Know, it's just a, it's everything. It's around everything <laughs> these days. It's so true. <laughs> what are the, some of the best practices that you've seen for a, posit- for a very positive experience when you're pregnant? So I think with pregnancy, health and well-being is really important. So make sh- making sure that you're walking or you're being active, that you're doing yoga or you're meditating, just keeping your body in a good shape actually like will help you mentally and physically. And then surrounding yourself with people that share your opinions and your desires just so that you feel really good. You know, like if you want to go and lift weights and people aren't you know, giving you, or people are giving you beef about that, then maybe surround yourself with people that are like, yeah, you go girl, you do those squats and you lift those weights, you know? Um, so just surrounding yourself with people who really support you. Um, and I think having your partner or your husband really on board with you as well can changes the experience completely. A lot of women kind of go through the pregnancy alone and their husbands are there at the birth and they're like, oh, well done, you did that. But it's amazing when they work together mm. through the whole pregnancy. It's, it changes the whole experience. Um, there's a big movement towards hypnobirthing, yeah. which is basically a, like a mindset meditation kind of shift where we try to you know, reconnect to our bodies and help it to relax. And we use audios and meditations and and we listen to music and stuff so that by the time you get to your birth your body's been trained to relax because that's something we don't know how to do if I was like Noor relax like it's probably going to take you maybe a half an hour of yoga five minutes of breathing some meditation and then maybe you'll feel deeply relaxed right but it's something that takes time and so Mm. hypnobirthing is all about preparing you to be able to relax almost like instantaneously 
Um, and even sometimes when women are like, oh, you know, unfortunately things aren't going right, we're going to have to give you a C-section, they might turn their hypnobirthing audio on so that they just go straight back into like a really nice, peaceful, relaxed state before nice. they go into the C-section. To the C-section. Yeah. So hypnobirthing can be really amazing. And then obviously education, you know, get to some mm-hmm. antenatal education classes, get a doula, that kind of thing. Yeah, and then obviously the, the birth, hypnobirthing is really is really good using your voice when you're there about what you feel you want, what you feel you need. Oh, can I have an extra pillow? Can we turn the lights down? You know, can we have people not come in for a while? You know, whatever it is, it's like use your voice and really own the experience and have your partner know what you want so that in the times where you don't feel like you can speak for whatever reason that you have somebody there to support you through that. And then, yeah, have some family or friends support you afterward you know like call up or write a list of like five friends and call them up before you give birth and say here's what's happening I'm giving birth I'm telling you from now that I want you to come on Sunday you to come on Monday you to come on Tuesday and when you come I know I just need you to either just be a listening ear or I need you to hold my baby while I shower or I need you to Mm. bring some food or whatever it is like just be very like open and clear like your friends want to help you, you know, your parents want to support you, but sometimes they just don't know what to do. do. Some people are really good and intuitive, you know, but some people aren't. And so be really clear about having your postpartum period, like ready to go, have the list of specialists that you want on call to see, you know, there's amazing midwives and lactation specialists from health bay that do home visits. They can come and have a look and see, Oh, like, how's your latch doing? Is the baby, they come and weigh the baby. Well, the baby's gaining weight. So you're doing fine, you know, and you can go see craniosacral therapists for your newborn if, you know, the birth was a little bit long or intense and they need a little bit of, you know, some kind of craniosacral relief when they come out. Like there's, and Dubai is actually amazing. There's pretty much everything mm. that you need. So it's just about being prepared. What about specialists for rebuilding sort of the pelvic muscles? Yeah, so there's some um, amazing women that do that. There's uh, Jade Up and Running, mm. and then there's Ali at Optimal Therapy. So they both uh, specialize in pelvic floor, um, pelvic floor either release or rebuilding, um, and they can kind of check and assess to see where you are or what's happened mm. and help you rebuild from there. I've heard from a lot of women that the experience after giving birth or when you first come back home is can be very scary and very lonely if you're away from your family and surrounding themselves with women who have gone through the experience before or who have given birth before has been is very comforting and a lot of the time the husband wants to help but they don't know what to do either and you don't you don't know what to ask of your husband mm-hmm. um, so they're not really able to support you in the way that they'd like to what have you found to be the most helpful practices postpartum. So if someone is struggling with, let's not say, let's not go all the way to postpartum depression, but let's say, for example, the baby blues, which are totally normal, Mm -hmm. right? A lot of women experience baby blues. Mm -hmm. nothing out of the ordinary. What are ways that women can maybe lift their mood, comfort themselves, work through that time? And should they be trying to work through that time or should they, should they just surrender to the emotions? I think that there definitely, you know, has to be a little bit of a surrender to this completely new experience that, you know, you've slightly prepared for, but you can't ever be fully prepared for. So you do have to kind of surrender to the moment and maybe have, 
you know, enough of self-awareness to be able to notice how you're doing. Obviously you're going to be, you know, off of crazy birth hormones and you're going to be on this like down and, um, maybe you're not sleeping if you're breastfeeding throughout the night. So you might not even know yourself at that point and it's very normal. Um, and I think that's why it's important to just be able to pick up the phone and, and have somebody to speak to, whether that's a friend or a parent, a therapist or a midwife to just be like, this is how I'm feeling. And most of the time, all women need to hear is, by the way, this is completely normal. You are not alone. It's going to pass. And then the next day you're like, oh my God, it's never going to pass. And someone's like, guess what? Yes, it is. And then the next day they're like, I just can't, I just don't, I feel it's, it's overwhelming. And then they're like, don't worry, it's going to pass. And at some point for, you know, for women, some women, the cloud does lift and for some it doesn't, but you get through to the next phase and, you know, hopefully you'll look back and just see that as part of the whole, the whole experience in all of its different <laughs> colors. How many weeks or months postpartum does it take for the woman to start to feel like herself again? What are the, how many months after after giving birth are sort of the toughest? I think it's different for everybody. So it depends on your physical resiliency, your mental resiliency, the support that you have. Like if you're being nurtured and supported, maybe you might get there in a couple of days. If you're quite isolated and you don't have anyone to lean on and you're feeling overwhelmed, it could take a lot longer. But so I think it just depends on every on every person but you know the whole 40 days is culturally significant definitely in the middle east um, and in asian cultures as well this idea of like the first 40 days being the most important and so definitely i would say a minimum of that like kind of like first two months or even like three months you know if you think about you've carried a baby for nine you know, it, it's probably going to take mm. something like that for you to kind of really come back into yourself for like all of the hormones to be balanced again, for you to feel active and mobile and for you to feel energized, for you to feel like you can, you know, eat and go out and speak to people. Mm. And it's just there's and everything's different for everybody. Yeah. And a doula can help through that as well. Yeah, definitely. I, I saw on your website that you also have postpartum doulas. So I'm guessing they're specialized in the postpartum period. Yeah, so there's some doulas that only do the postpartum period and you can buy like a package. So basically they can come and see you as like a one-off or they can come and see you for a package of five or ten sessions. So you can say, I know that I'm going to have like nobody. My husband's going to be at work. I need someone to come twice a week or three times a week for three weeks. And you can have somebody come in. And every postpartum doula is different, but we basically can do everything. Mm. Like I have folded laundry, I've cooked meals. Wow. You can hold the baby while they do yoga or shower or go to whatever, do whatever you need, it is that you yeah. need to do. Um, you can just be there to sit with them and talk to them. You can be there and say, hey, go sleep for two hours while I just sit here. Just yeah. sleep and I'm going to be here. And you know that nothing's going to happen. I'll wake you up if something goes wrong, you know. Um, so really, it can be like anything. You can be just a person of support, and that's it. And it can be, yeah, as many sessions as you feel you need. And it's, but it's about knowing that you need that and preparing beforehand. beforehand. Could you let our listeners know how they can get in touch with you guys and how they can find out more about the work that you do? Yes, absolutely. So More Than Birth Collective on Instagram, morethanbirthdoulas.com. And um, if they want to connect with me directly, they can go to dinarandour.com. Um, they can also email 
through any of those portals. Mm-hmm. We're very open. We have a lot of free events, like free breastfeeding support mornings. We do meet the doula evenings. We do little gatherings. So there's a lot of things that people can come to if they don't know what they want yet, but they just want to meet a few of us and see, yeah, what what the whole doula thing is about. That's awesome. Yes. Thank you so much, Thank Dina. you for having me, Noor. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Thanks for listening today. If you're not familiar with goodness, head to www.goodness.me to access the online platform and articles and follow us at goodness on Instagram. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review and share it and we'll see you next week.